Blog Talk Radio. Punch buttons, man. <laughs> As my daddy would say, I'm going to mash the button. Oh! 
this Wednesday evening. Amen. I'm thankful tonight. It's well with my soul. Can't say it's well with everything in my life, you know. Your life don't have to be perfect to say it's well with my soul. All it needs to be is that your that your relationship is right with your Heavenly Father. Amen. If that's the case, then you can say it's well with my soul. As we talked about Sunday morning, sometimes because of our sin, we're reaping corruption in our flesh, things we planted a long time ago, and you can be filled with the Spirit of God and it'd be well with your soul while you're reaping corruption because God, God's mercy will carry you through those times. Praise God. He's good, even in the good seasons and in the bad. God's the same, and I thank God for that, that he doesn't ever change. Praise God. Good to be in church with you tonight. Good to see you. Amen. Mary, it's good to see you tonight. Amen. Amy, it's a blessing to have you here, too. And praise God, Dan is bunged up in the hospital, as you all know. Bless his heart. I know he, he wants to be, he'd rather be anywhere but there. <laughs> but... But, but he going he going to be there so a week so y'all pray for him and y'all pray for Anya because I know it won't be the same at the house with him not there so y'all pray for okay <laughs> well they tra- they trained for that sister now they trained for it now. Okay, I did. I, I, you heard me pray for him. I pray for every nurse on the floor. You heard me. Amen. There might have been undertones that you didn't get, but I pray for every nurse on the floor. But anyway, praise God. Uh, but, yeah, lift Dan up in prayer, and those watching that don't even know Dan, pray, lift up Dan in prayer. He needs it, amen, and all them nurses too. But but uh, anyway, any other requests tonight? <clears throat> yes, Miss Charlotte. I go with Okay, we'll be praying for that. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> um, and I want to thank everybody praying for Sir Riley. He still needs prayers. We we definitely lift him up many time in prayer. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, trying to think. I know I had some other things on my heart that needed prayed for. Um, God knows what they are. I got a bunch of people that are on my heart and mind. Um, I just want to say, pray for my pray for my family. I, it's been 25 years today that my dad passed away, and uh, my stepmother contacted me this morning. We visited a little bit about that. At 25 years passed, it seemed like it was just the other day. You know, it really does. And uh, but praise God, I'm his age. He was when he died, right now, and uh, that's a weird feeling. But won't be long till I see him. I know that, but. And I believe the Lord will be here soon. I really do. I don't know if y'all do or not, but I really believe the Lord is going to be here soon. I'm talking about, and I can't say when. I'm not trying to predict, but I think it'll be in the next year or two. I really do. I really believe that with all my heart. If you look at the way the Bible's laid out, you look at you look at the time when Israel became a nation. I ain't got time to do all that tonight. But when you look at it and the feasts that need to be fulfilled, the feast of trumpets is still yet to be fulfilled, and uh, very well could happen this September, October. It's, we're right for it. But anyway, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We got anything else? We need to remember our missionaries and remember. Okay. All right. Uh, let's remember. To, uh, as far as I know, nothing's changed. As far as I know, they hadn't heard nothing else. I think we'd have heard. <laughs> 
Right. Let's lift Scott up in prayer too. Let's lift him up, and, and he's struggling uh, with getting getting enough oxygen, and and uh, on top of everything else, it's just always it, it, that thing. It always changes, and ain't never the same. It can affect him different ways, different times. So just pray for him that, that God will give him grace. Um, I guess anything else? Joanne's supposed to get her results Friday on her part. All right. All right, we'll be praying for that, praying you get good results. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. Let's ask God to meet with us, be in the service, and uh, speak to your heart tonight. Let's let's pray. Robert, lead us. Amen. You can be seated. Just a closer walk with thee. 284.
Amen. Look across the page, leaning on the everlasting arms. <clears throat> Please. 
if you'll reach out, Father, Holy Spirit of God, if you'll reach out, uh, Holy Spirit, if you'll just reach into the hearts of somebody and touch them for the glory of God tonight, Lord, it'll all be worth it. Father, I pray you'd send the Holy Spirit to the right for the person that needs it most. You know who they are and you know where they're at. You know the need, and I pray you'd address it tonight. Pray, Lord, that this message would have a effectual power in somebody's life. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. We'll lift up Jesus and magnify him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Praise God. Get there in verse 27, chapter 15 of Proverbs, and that's where we're going to start. It says, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. Now read that phrase, greedy of gain. That tells me where this man's heart is. Tells me where his love lies. He's all about more. His eyes are on the things of this world. I know people like that. I've known people like that through my life. Some close to me, some that I watch from a distance. But I have known people who were all about making as much money as they possibly could, and that was all they thought about all the time. I know people who are always scheming, trying to come up with some new way. I mean, just their lives are consumed with making money, 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 and things, 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 and that seems to be all they care about. And the sad thing, I mean, you know, a man can get rich. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, now listen, a man, he he live like that. He can get rich as rich can be. But rather than paying attention to his family that God gave him, which is more precious than anything he could ever work for, the children that God has entrusted him to raise and instill his love into, his mind is always filled with ways to gain more wealth. And and with his mind, so goes his time. And his time will be gone before he knows it. His children will be raised without a dad who invested in them. And then maybe they had the nicest clothes of any child in school. Maybe they drove the nicest car of anybody on the parking lot. But they didn't have the love of a daddy and his attention. And so they were starved of the very thing they needed while they had all the things that didn't help them along through life. It taught them nothing. <clears throat> he neglects his family in order to get more and more. I read a story just this week. And maybe you've heard this story. It was a little boy. His daddy was a busy, wealthy man. He was home from work, and the little boy came in there to the table. His dad was eating supper, and he said, "He said, Daddy, he said, uh, he said, can I, can I have fifty dollars?" He said, "Oh, he said, he said, he said, how much, Daddy? How much money do you make an hour?" That's what he said. How much do you make an hour? And he said, "A hundred dollars." And the little boy said, "Well, Daddy, could I could I have fifty? And, and the dad dad scolded him. He said, "No, you can't have fifty dollars. How dare you ask me?" He said, "Don't you know how hard I work for my money? And you come in here thinking you can just ask me for fifty dollars to buy some silly something for yourself? You ought to be ashamed of yourself." And he just tore him to shreds there at the table about that. A little while later, the little boy was in in bed and fixing to get tucked in the bed. His dad came in his room. The little boy reached under his pillow and he pulled out a wad of bills. And his daddy scolded him even more. He said, 
You asked me for $50, you had all that money under your pillow. He said, well, Daddy, I almost have enough. You give me 50, I think I'll have enough. He said, what in the world could you possibly want to buy? He said, an hour of your time. I almost have enough. I almost have 100. There's people like that. They're living godly because they can provide things for their home, but they don't provide what's needed. They don't, they don't show God's love. They don't show what's really important. I can tell you there are people who, who, live, in a, who live in a rundown shack, who, 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 who can't get a good job, who, who don't have an education, but they love one another and they teach one another about God and his love and Christ and his sacrifice, and they got more than a man on the hill with a brick home's got. <clears throat> this man is greedy of gain that troubles his own house. He values his material possessions over his family and would rather save his material possessions than his kinfolk. Why? Because he'll let them die and go to hell while he cares less about their eternal destination while he makes sure he has all the nice things. You know, the Bible tells us in, in Luke 12, 34, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I remember I remember a movie scene where this, he had this nice Ferrari in the, in the garage. Some of you all know what I'm talking about, probably a red Ferrari. And he said, Morris doesn't drive it. He just it, rubs it with a diaper. People look, and that's his thing. Man, he loved it more than he loved his kids. You know, that was the story. It was in the movie, you know. He, he, loved the, he loved the car more than he loved his wife and family. And there are people like that. And I believe that's who God's talking about, people like that. You know, Solomon, he, he, he expounded on this a little more in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 5, verses 10 through 18. He said, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. You can't give him enough to make him happy. He ain't got a pot big enough to put that, enough silver in. He ain't got a safe big enough to keep enough silver in. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. You can't give him enough to make him satisfied. And he said, this is also vanity. It's just as empty as an as a empty drum. I mean, there's nothing there. You can have everything in the world and be the loneliest man in the world. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. You get more stuff, you got more stuff to take care of. For what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with the eyes? Sit around, look at all the stuff you got. Wow, look at all I've got. Can't do nothing. Boy, can't love you. You can't love it. I mean, you can't it doesn't feel it. <clears throat> it's just the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. No, he's laying there worrying about somebody taking what he's got. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. Got too much stuff, and it ends up ruining you spiritually. That's what he's saying. And there are plenty of people in this world who do that very thing. But those riches perish. By evil travail, you try to keep on to it. You try to hang on to it, and something comes and takes it. And the Bible says, and he begetteth a son, and there's nothing in his hand. Tried to hang on to his money, but something took it, and now he's got a kid, and ain't got nothing to give him because he didn't care about what was important. And he came forth of his mother's womb naked, shall he, as he came forth of his mother's womb naked, shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor that which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is sore evil, that in all points, as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he, he that he labored for the I didn't read that right. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? 
again, he may lose everything he's got. I mean, easy come, easy go. One day you got it, the next day you don't. I mean, fortunes are won and lost. I mean, it happens all the time. He may lose everything he's got and that he's worked for. How? Well, when the wife and the family that he neglects every day finally gets enough and walks out and takes it all, he may be sitting there with nothing. All his days he also eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Uh, again, you come to the end of the life, you're sick, and everybody's done left. Nobody wants to be around you. You didn't care about nothing but money. What a lonely existence that is. The Bible says, he that hateth gifts shall live. He that hateth gifts shall live. That's an odd statement. I know it sounds odd. I don't see nobody get mad if somebody gave him a present. Happy birthday. Get that out of here. Don't you come here with presents. Nobody does that. <laughs> Christmas time, you get mad, run up, throw everybody to the house. How dare you bring presents in here? But uh, no, that's not like that. That's not what he means. But but it, it, it says, behold, the last part of that verse in Ecclesiastes, verse 18 of that passage I was reading, it says, behold, that which I've seen, it's, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of his labor that he taketh unto the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. In other words, not take no more than you need. I mean, work have enough to be satisfied, but not to have a lust for more and more and more and more and more that you're always just chasing after something. Uh there's a Christian YouTuber out there that I watch every now and then. I don't know his name. He's a big old burly black guy. And he, but he goes around to grocery stores. And, uh, again, I don't remember his name, but he goes around quizzing people. They're pushing their buggy through the store. he got a camera, and he, he quizzes them on Bible knowledge. And he wants to ask them, you, you got, I'm going to ask you three questions. And he said, if you, if, you can get, if you can get one of these right, or if you can get all three right, I'll buy you a buggy full of groceries. And so you'd be amazed how people don't know nothing. I mean, people you think would know some Bible don't know nothing. But here's the thing: if he if he tells them you get you get these three answers right, I'll buy you a bucket full of groceries. The thing is, he's 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 not really telling them straight because if they get one right, he'll end up buying the bucket of groceries. He wants to give them the money, and I think it I want to say it was five hundred dollars he was going to give them three hundred five hundred. I can't remember if they get it right. And uh, but you know what happens most of the time when people get the answers right. They say, oh, no, 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 I don't need it. Give it to somebody that needs it. Give it to somebody that needs it. I think that's what the verse has in mind when it says he hates gifts. It's like, I don't need that. I, I appreciate you do, offering me that, but I'd rather see somebody that's needy get that than me take that for something I just know, you know. Again, they feel unworthy. They don't, they don't need it. Again, but, you know, and I realize, too, in some cultures, if somebody offers you a gift, you don't take it. That's a big insult, and I ain't talking about that. But, but again, we ought to have a heart that, 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 won't, that cares more about people and relationships than material things. Because in the end, all those things are going to be gone. And, and I guarantee you, when you lay on your deathbed, it's the relationships you had with people that you're going to remember. It's not the things you had. Um, verse 28. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Well, 
That tells me if somebody asks a question, the righteous man is not going to be the first one with his hand up going, me, 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 me. Okay? He's not going to be trying to hurry up and play something for somebody else. No, he's going to consider what was said. He's going to meditate on what you said for a minute and make sure he's got the right answer before he opens his mouth. Because the righteous man is careful not to give bad advice. Righteous man's representing the Lord. The righteous man's got the Lord on his mind, and he doesn't want to lead somebody astray. He doesn't want to give somebody bad advice just because, hey, I want to get my word in. I find that, some ca- that happens a lot when you're sitting in a crowd of men. I don't know about women. I don't sit with a whole lot of women a lot of times, but when I'm sitting in a crowd of men and we're discussing something, I find that there, there are certain men in the crowd, and, and I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm talking about places I've been, especially amongst preachers. You're sitting in a crowd, maybe four or five, six preachers, and there'll be one he wants to answer every question. But he can't wait to show everybody how, how knowledgeable he is. You know, uh, that ain't the person I want to hang around and learn from. I, I don't want to hear the one that just got something to say about everything. I want to hear the one who sits there, and then after everybody gets done talking, he answers calmly and wisely. And, and that's, again, that's the heart of the righteous study at the answer. Wants to make sure that he's telling the right thing. The righteous man desires to do no harm. He doesn't have any any mal intentions at work there. There's nothing, I mean, he wouldn't lead you astray for anything. He'd rather help you than hurt you. He wants to be a help and a blessing. The heart of the righteous study at the answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil, just like a fountain. You know why? The mouth of the wicked is controlled by devils. That's why. It's wicked, amen? If it's, if it's wicked, then it ain't God in charge. And if God ain't in charge, then who is in charge? The mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Let me tell you what the, wicked, the mouth of the wicked do. They speak things that entice people to sin. That's one thing the mouth of the wicked do. They say things that entice people to sin because that's the kind of, again, that's what's, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So if you have a wicked heart, if in your heart is full of wickedness, then you're going to speak wicked things. You're going to say things that are going to cause people to be enticed to sin. They're also going to speak things that harass. They're going to harass people. They'll be, be trying to get in somebody's business, trying to stir up trouble. That's what the mouth of the wicked do. They pour out evil things. They speak things that torment. Somebody with a wicked heart, a wicked mouth, they'll look for somebody who's weaker than them that they can absolutely cause havoc in their life because they're miserable themselves. So they will find someone else that they can make more miserable than themselves to somehow give themselves some satisfaction and relief from their own misery. Uh, again, and, and the things that I'm telling you, these are the things that the Bible describes what devils do. So I'm telling you things that devils do in the Word of God. So, I mean, that's again, that's what comes out of wicked mouths. Um, they speak things that, tor- I said torment. Um, they speak things that compel and enslave. I remember, and I'm, I'm going to tell off on myself, but... Uh, this was many, many, many years ago. I was wrapped up in drugs and alcohol and rock and roll and you name it, and I had just quit. Uh, I had just quit a drug, and I was through with it. And and I, I remember running into this guy who was a drug drug dealer, 
he saw me. He said, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. I said, yeah. I said, I, I quit I quit some things in my life. He said, what are you talking about? I told him what I quit. He said, oh, man, you just need a new drug. That's all. Now, what is he doing? He's speaking things to try to compel and enslave. Uh, again, the wicked speak evil things. They, they pour out evil things. I'm sure that guy ain't alive no more. Most of them guys back then that used to run around, I used to run around with, they all gone now, most of them. And uh, again, it's because they, 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 they didn't turn to Christ. They just kept on living the wicked life. And there's an end to that. But not only do they speak things that entice the sin, that harass, that torment, that compel and enslave, they speak things that defile. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the wicked, you know what they like to do? They like to say things that are vulgar in the ears of innocent people. I used to know a guy in Paris, and I ain't going to call his name, because they might be listening to this. I might know he might be listening to this. But I remember he used to come in the music store there in Reno, and I, I, I had lunch breaks there. And back, it was back 2005 or so, uh, 2003, 2005. And I, I'd take my lunch break there, and I'd go down to the music store and sit and play guitar for an hour rather than eat lunch. And, and uh but he'd come in there sometimes, and I mean, he especially if there was some, some older ladies in there, so he'd talk so nasty. And why would he do it? Just to make them uncomfortable. Just to get a rise out of somebody. Pouring out wickedness. People do that just to defile. Why do you think, why do you think drag queens want to read books to little kids in libraries? They wanted to file. Why don't they go down to the old folks' home and read it to the octogenarians, huh? You know why? Because some old World War II better run them out there with a cane. That's why. Get that thing out of here before I get it. I guarantee you, they wouldn't tolerate it one second. They want to defile and they want to deceive because those are the things that the wicked do. They want to tell you lies. Just like the devil in the garden. Yea, half God said. It's it's nothing more than, than than just devils working through those those people's lives. Verse twenty nine, the Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. And it says the Lord is far from the wicked, but we know that God is omniscient, so God knows everything, and God is omnipresent, so God is everywhere. So it doesn't imply that God's not aware when the wicked prays. It just means he don't act on their behalf. Oh, he hears them, but they can't reach him. They couldn't reach him if they tried and tried and tried and tried. He's out of reach for the wicked. I'm going to tell you, there's been a plenty of wicked who in their time of dying probably cried out, Oh, God, help me. But you can't come to God unless you come through his son. You can holler out, God, help me all you want to if something's getting you. But it ain't going to matter if you don't have his son because that's the only way to come. Amen. Now, if that man cried out in his moment of death, Lord Jesus, please save me through your blood. I trust you. He'd get saved like that. That's the only way he can come. The Bible says the Lord's far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Praise God. He heareth the prayer of the righteous. Hey, get righteous? Well, you got to come through that blood, don't you? Amen. you got to get washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Like the song says, are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing the blood of the Lamb? 
He heareth the prayer of the righteous. A good companion verse for that would be 1 Peter 3.12, which says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But his face, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Again, he knows about their prayers. He sure don't do nothing about it. But boy, when somebody, when one of his children goes to praying, he not only hears, but he helps as well. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26 and 27 about him helping. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For when we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I mean, it's like we're sitting there, I know I need to pray, but I, I just don't even know how to pray. I really don't know how to de- deal with this situation. This is a terrible situation I'm dealing with, and I really don't know what to say. All I, I, I just say, God, help. The Bible said, well, then the Spirit, Spirit of God maketh intercessions on our behalf. I don't know what to say, God. Well, the Spirit of God does. And he makes intercession. He goes to the Father through Jesus the Son on our behalf to the to the Father and says, Father, this is what they would ask for if they knew how to word it. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He knows what God wants. He knows what God's will is. When we pray, Father, I don't know what needs to be done, but Lord, I want what you want. I want this to be done the way you want it done. The Holy Spirit of God knows exactly what to say. And he helps us. Amen. God hears the prayers of the righteous. You count on that. Amen. This only thing's going to stop that is if you got unconfessed sin in your life. And you need to confess it and get right with God so you can get your prayers heard. And if you don't know what it is in between you and God, pray, God, show me what's in the way. God will show you. He's not He's not, He's not. not worried about your, your feelings in the matter. He'll show you. Uh, verse 30. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. I like this verse. I'm gonna, when I run across this in the day, I said, no, I like that. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. Y'all all heard about somebody's eyes lighting up, right? Boy, it made her light. Made, you see it make her eyes light up? You know, when something good happens, your eyes, oh, you get excited, your eyes light up. The light of the eyes, the Bible says, rejoices the heart. So the thing that you delight in that makes your eyes light up will make you happy. Okay? And when you're happy, your eyes light up. So I mean vice versa, right? Okay? Well, the Bible says in Matthew six, twenty two and twenty three, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, that word single there means focused. If thine eye be single or focused, thy whole body shall be full of light. Well you've got to be looking at light, don't you? Right. All right. And we should get to that too, okay? And he says if thine eye be evil, which means corrupt, which and it says, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. You're looking at the wrong thing. If, therefore, the light that is in thee be darkness, if all that you've got in you is darkness, the Bible says, how great is that darkness. First John 1, 5 through 7, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So, in other words, if we are focused on God, he will light our eyes up and make us happy down deep inside. Amen. He'll give us satisfaction in life that we ought to have. Amen. And that's what it means. Listen, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart. Why Why am I happy? Why do I sing? Because I have Jesus as my Savior. And he has changed me and made me different. Amen. 
The Bible says if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If, we, if we're trying to live like the rest of this world, doing what the rest of this world does, sitting in our flesh and trying to walk with Jesus at the same time, we are lying to ourselves. We can't have victory in life like that. We cannot enjoy being a Christian and walking like that. It just doesn't work. You're going to constantly just be defeated and on your face, flopping around, in the, flopping around spiritually on the ground. You're never going to walk with God if you live like that. The Bible said, but if we walk in the light. You can't walk in darkness and walk with God. He don't walk in darkness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. I fellowship with God. God fellowships with me. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So, listen, if I'm walking with God and he's walking with me and the blood keeps me clean, listen, I got fellowship with God. Man, you better believe my eyes going to be lit up and I'm going to have some joy down in me. Hallelujah. And I like the second half, too. A good report maketh the bones fat. I like that. I got fat bones. If I ain't fat, I just got fat bones. What does fat bones mean? Fat bones means you're strengthened on the inside. That's what it means. It's the opposite of leanness in the bones. The Bible talks about that, too. David mentioned having leanness in his bones, I believe. That's a sign of weakness. Right? What's inside your bones? What's in your bones? Marrow. Yeah. Right. I'm going to tell you, bone marrow is good for you, too. Amen. I mean, that's the best butter you can put on something. It's bone marrow. I know that y'all make your rackle nose, but I've eaten it. It ain't bad. It's good. And it's good for you. Full of collagen. It's good for your body. But, again, that's what it's talking about. Fat with, fat with collagen. Fat with marrow. Which means healthy, and and when you and the Bible says a good report will make you like that. Well, I'm gonna go a little deeper into that good report. The phrase a good report is synonymous with good news, right? Which is the word gospel. Amen. So the gospel will make your bones fat. I want to give me a T-shirt that says Jesus made my bones fat. Amen. Jesus made my bones fat, Proverbs 1530. Amen. I like that. I'm going to get one that says, Jesus made my bones fat, and I'm going to say I've had a liver transplant. Amen. Because Galatians 2.20, it says, you know, he lives in me. I've had a liver transplant. Hallelujah. That's a good one, too. Amen. But anyway, literally what he's saying in this verse is being saved, being a child of God, makes me strong on the inside and lights me up. Amen. Makes fills me full of joy. And praise God. I like that. Amen. Verse 31. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. This is a simple verse. And the whole verse is easy to understand. To be wise, okay, the ear that heareth. To be wise, you must be teachable. You have to hear. You've got to be willing to listen. Okay? You must, number two, you must listen closely. Not halfway while you're doing something else. In other words, when you read your Bible, don't watch TV. Don't try to read your Bible and have a conversation with somebody at the same time. Amen. If you're running, if you're reading, if you're alone with God, stay alone with God. Don't don't try to be alone with God with other people. Amen. The ear that heareth reproof. That's correction. Correction is never for your hurt. It is always for your help. The ear that heareth the reproof of life. You know. 
you ought to learn by observing others make mistakes, not by making them yourself. That, that's, that's hearing the reproof of life. That's not having to bust your own knuckles, watch somebody else bust theirs and go, I'm not going to do that. You know, again, I had a lot of friends who were a lot dumber than me and did some very ignorant things. I, I had some friends that died as a result of their ignorance. I didn't ever want to do those things. Because I did, I mean, I, I had a stopping point. Praise God! I had a good mama who who put enough fear of God into me when I was little that I had a stopping point that others didn't have. I had friends who they would go further than anybody else just to say I went further than anybody else. I did more than anybody else. I took more. I drank more. I was wilder, whatever, than everybody else because I wanted to make sure I was the worst one. That's what they wanted to do. I, I remember my 18th birthday party. Two of my friends outside, like I told you this, but I heard thud, 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 thud. And I went outside, and two of my most ignorant friends were outside hit, swapping licks, hitting the brick wall and outside of my house so you could hit it the hardest to make the biggest blood spot on the wall. Now, that's, if that ain't dumb, I don't know what dumb is. I'm telling you. Well, listen, listen, if, if, if they had listened to anybody that said, don't do that, that's dumb, that'll break your hand. And here, they, just, they thought that was funny. They thought they were being cool. Uh, I guess learn by watching somebody. I didn't have to hit the wall to know that that would hurt. I didn't have to hit the wall to know blood would splatter. I just said, okay, y'all go ahead. I'm going to go back in the house. <laughs> but, again, watch others and say, I'm not going to make that same mistake myself. Notice that it says this man abides among the wise. He abides among. You know when you abide, that means you stay put. The ear that heareth reproof of life, he don't have to go out and run with the wild crowd and sow his wild oats and get in trouble and, and go to jail and do all that before he learns his lesson. He abides among the wise because he listens and he takes correction. Some of us have ran with fools only to get hurt and come back with our tail between our legs. But we tried it and it didn't work. But the great thing about it, never too late, and it's never too early to start listening and humbling yourself and following God. Verse 32, refuseth instruction, despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. <clears throat> I want to say tonight, especially to those who are listening in by way of Facebook and Blog Talk Radio, because I know most everybody's spiritual condition in this room. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. The man or the woman that refuses to hear and believe the gospel message is damning their own soul to the fires of hell. And that's all there is to it. It's very simple. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 tells us that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And John three sixteen tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no reason somebody ought to die and go to hell if they have just listened to what the Word of God has to say. Jesus did everything for somebody that they don't have to go to hell, and if they refuse it and they, re they refuse instruction, they are destroying, despising, and damning their own soul. And not only the lost sinner, but the backslider. Bless his heart, the backslider. Backslider many times will not listen. 
and ends up hurting himself further and further and further. The Bible says, Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Now, I'm going to listen to God and follow his ways. I know what's better. I know what to do. I know how my daddy told me this, and I learned this from my brother and my grandpa, and I know what I'm doing. But yet you're making a mess of your life. He that refuseth instruction despise this own soul. Why don't it ever get any better if you're doing it the right way? <laughs> Amen. You know, I finally woke up one day and realized I was doing it the wrong way. And that's when I finally turned around and said, God, I'll try your way. And I figured out God's way is so much better. God makes it, God, God's way is so much easier. It doesn't seem like it when you're standing on the wrong side. When you're standing up, when you stand on the wrong side, on the sinful side, and you've been doing it your way for so long, when you're looking at God's way, it looks, oh, man, that'd be hard. It'd be hard to live like that. It, it would be miserable to live like that. But when you find it, just like, I'm going I'm to give God's way a try. And you step over there and you begin to live for God, you figure out, there, hey, not only is it easier, God gives you help. God not only gives you help, God does it. He just does it through you. You're just letting him do it. And pretty soon, it becomes second nature to live in the spirit of God. But but it don't it don't when you stand on the wrong side and you're and you're halfway mad at God it don't work like it. But I've been there, I've been there. Praise God, I ain't no more. The Bible said, "He that refuses instruction despises despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproves getteth understanding." He hears reproof. He's listening to correction, attention to what others are trying to warn him about. And when he starts hearing and listening, he understands some things. He understands that sin's bad. See, when you start listening, the Spirit of God starts speaking. And when the Spirit of God starts speaking, he'll start putting his... The Bible says he comes to reprove the world of sin. He comes to show the world what sin is, what God hates, what God says is an abomination. He, he comes to show the world and reveal and put conviction and fear in our hearts. I want to tell you, when God the Holy Ghost puts his finger on sin in your life, it's like, oh, it's like getting hit with a wrecking ball. It's like, oh, no, God is unhappy with me. God is displeased with me. That's a terrible feeling. When he hears reproof, he gets understanding. He understands it. Sin's bad. God hates sin. It caused, it caused the death of God's only begotten son. That's how bad God hates sin. And when he hears the truth and gets understanding, he understands, guess what? I'm not God. I've never been God, and I'll never be God. And so I can't act like God and call shots like God and decide things like God because I'm not God. Then you begin to look around, and you realize, hey, I can't make it without God. I won't make it without God. And then he begins to lean upon and rely upon God's strength of his own and rely upon God's wisdom instead of his own. I'll tell you, that's a smart thing to do. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him. He said, here's what he's like. He's like a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. For it was founded upon the rock. I picture these two men, and it's going to talk about the one built on sand in just a second. But I picture these two men, like out on the, 
like out on the coast in California. And one builds his house up on top of a big old rock. And the other builds his house right on the edge of the coast there on a cliff. Y'all ever seen what happened to some of them houses out there on the cliff? I know you're from California. It's just all of a sudden one day it all decides to go and big multi-million dollar houses just fall like tanker toys off into into the ocean. Or a river that changes course and takes it out. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, that's the one who said, I don't want to hear this. I don't need this. I'm fine. The Bible says, should be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That's the way somebody's life is when they don't let God have it. I'm going to tell you, you may be fine for a while. Like I said Sunday, you say, well, ain't nothing happened to me yet. I ain't been destroyed yet. Over yet either. Verse 33, last one. Fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. We live in such a messed up world. I know y'all pay attention every now and then to the news just like I do. Horrible world we live in. You know, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We're living in the days of Noah. We're living in those kinds of days. Uh, You know, every June when it rolls around, this whole pride month, I just it, I just see it all over again. <clears throat> I know I know y'all, y'all y'all are aware of some stuff going on. All these companies that are going woke and and trying to act like the whole wide world is caught up in transgenderism, Baby, bathing suits for babies for little toddlers at Target where they can fuck themselves. God help us! We're living in a vile society. Instead of fearing the Lord. They run from him, and they run to everything else but him instead. We're currently headed down the slippery slope in society that we all heard about as kids. Once we start down that slippery slope, it's all all over with. Well, we're already about halfway down it, if not further. You know, everybody in this society we live in wants to be honored. Everybody feels like they're deserving and worthy of honor. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody should be honored for their feelings nowadays. Everybody's sinful perversion should be honored and respected and looked up at as something admirable now. They're trying their best. You know, the UN is trying their best to get America to legalize pedophilia. They're pushing it in the public school systems in the big cities where they're trying to call people who are pedophiles gender-attracted people, I mean minor-attracted people, minor-attracted people, perverts. And you take a long jump with a short rope and fix the problem. But this world's upside down, and the Lord is your only hope. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor. It's humility, not pride. 
opposite of what they're saying right now. They say right now, everybody be proud, be proud, be proud, be proud. No, God says, no, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble. I mean, I repeat, the Lord is your only hope. And I want to say tonight before I close, if, if somebody's watching this and you're lost, you better believe the gospel. Because Jesus died for your sins on the cross of Calvary, paying the debt that you owed. He satisfied the wrath of God by taking your place on that cross. He died, he was buried, and he rose from the grave just as the Scripture said he was going to do, just as it had been prophesied for a long, long time. And all you must do to be saved is to believe the good news for yourself and trust him and his shed blood. And if I'm talking to somebody tonight that's backslidden and cold in your heart, it ain't too late. You hadn't gone too far. If you're still drawing a breath, you still got time. If you turn around, I'm going to tell you something. February the 2nd, 1996, I stood up off the couch, and I left all of my problems on that couch, all the things that were holding me back from serving God. I left them on that couch, and I said, God, I want you to take them when I stand up. And he took them, and he set me free that night. He delivered me that night. Amen. I've lived a whole different life since that day. And I didn't get saved that day. I was saved already, but I was backslid as the devil himself. And God was about this far from just yanking me plumb out of my body up to heaven because I had almost gone too far. But I turned around. I, I, I hadn't gone too far. Because I can tell you right now, I'd ran from Jesus and ran, I mean, ran and ran and ran and ran and ran for years and years, hard and as fast as I possibly could. But I'm telling you, when God finally put his finger right on the problem and I turned around, you know where God was? Jesus was right there. And he said, I'm right here. Come here. And he embraced me in his love. And I have been walking with him ever since. And I'm going to tell you something. He'll do the same thing for anybody. Be forgiven and live for Jesus. He'll open his arms wide for you tonight. Let's stand up, please. I'm going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer tonight. We'll be dismissed. Let's bow our heads to prayer. Father, I just love you tonight. I thank you, Father, for being so good. I'm thankful tonight, Father, especially for your mercy. I'm thankful, Lord, that if we'll listen to what your word says, if we'll let the Spirit of God deal with us, You'll get us under conviction, and we'll we'll understand that we're wrong, and you're right. And you've always been right. And you love us. You love us more than we could possibly conceive of. You went further than, than anybody would have ever gone for anybody. You did everything that was necessary. Left nothing undone. Now, all we have to do is come like little children and believe and trust. And you'll give us eternal life. You'll change our lives forever. Change us. We'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Lord, I know there are people out there tonight under the sound of my voice, Lord, who are hurting. They've been through many things in their life. Lord, just maybe like me, they've, they've ran from God. Father, I pray tonight that this be the night, Lord, you work in somebody's life. Maybe it's somebody in a different state or a different country. But, Lord, there's somebody under the sound of my voice tonight that needs this. And I pray, Father, that you save that soul. I pray, Father, that you bring that backslider back into the fold. 
Lord, I pray that you work in our people's lives tonight. Lord, that you that you draw them to recommit themselves and reaffirm, Lord, what they believe in their heart to you. Lord, that they're going to serve you. And Lord, that we're going to make a difference in the last few ticking moments of this life and this time that we have on earth before we head out into eternity. Lord, may we make it count. Lord, I know that in eternity it will echo forever and ever and ever. And, Lord, we want to make a showing before we go. Please, Lord, help us tonight. Help each one. Lord, everyone that's been mentioned tonight on the prayer list, Father, every every health need, every spiritual need, Lord, you know right where they're at. You know right what they need, and you're able to do all things. So, Lord, we ask you tonight, touch lives, help folks tonight. And we'll give you the praise, and we'll come back again Sunday, and we'll rejoice again in what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you all.